0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I'm going to preach about something this evening that is, um, I feel very passionate about. This is at least the the essence of what I'm going to preach about is something that you hear quite often. And um, because I truly... I truly believe someone told me many years ago that you will get what you preach. Amen. You will get whatever you preach. And so I, I have taken that to heart. I've found that to be true. And so I want today to let the Spirit of God just minister something into our heart and lives. The book of John 1 and 37. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, Where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And for a, a little while this evening, I want to preach to you from this thought, grace for the gift. And I, I hope maybe to connect to that particular thought in just a few moments. But I want to talk to you about grace for the gift. I believe that God has given all of us a gift And then we are responsible for what we do with that gift. I I don't believe that church members are just to have your name on a roll somewhere. Amen. I believe that God has brought us into the family. He said the solitary and the families. That's what the scripture says. And so we have to discover now what is my responsibility in this body. And what is my calling in this hour. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I ask you to strengthen us. And let the power of the word... Let that speak to our heart. I pray, God, that that the spirit of instruction, the spirit of encouragement, I pray, Lord, that somehow what is said tonight will, will be seasoned and flavored with your anointing. God, that a desire and an appetite will be created in all of us to be a seeker of you and your will in our lives in this hour. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. If the Lord will help me for just a few moments, I want to maybe tap briefly into what I spoke about Sunday morning. I find that one of the greatest misgivings in in the church is the fact that almost everyone, and I I realize that's painting with a broad brush, but let me maybe rephrase that and say that... um, a lot of people feel that they're not qualified to do anything great for the kingdom of God. And this fear of failure has paralyzed many into an absolute state of neutral living spiritually. And I'm talking about faithful people who love God and wouldn't even think about not trying at least to be in church when the doors were open and and they're givers of themselves in so many, many ways, and so many areas. But yet they feel hostage by the fact that they are unqualified to do something in their mind at least of consequence for the kingdom. Because of that mindset, they disengage themselves from certain things that may be ministry-related and certainly... You know, uh, if you've been here for any length of time at all, that when I use the word ministry, I'm not just talking about the pulpit. Most everybody feels like they have to have some pedigree or, or some sort of something in their background to accomplish anything noteworthy for the Lord. But I believe nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. Throughout the entire Bible, you will read about certainly you will read about great men and great women. I received a phone call this um, Monday or Tuesday uh, that did even further lends to what I'm saying right now, that in the word of God, we read about these great men and women. But if you do any historical search of their lives, you, you won't have to spend a long time looking. It, it will not require hours and hours and hours of research But you will most often find that these are just very common people, very common. Now, I'm not attempting to devalue their image or the impact that certain Bible characters may have had upon our lives. I would never want to do that. Certainly, they did great exploits for the kingdom and things that had eternal consequences, not just a wow moment here and there. But underneath all of their strength, underneath all of their influence, there was a heartbeat of a very common man or a very common woman. We are enamored many times by people, even in the hour in which we live. I think we all need heroes and and mentors, certainly heroes of the faith. And we need to have ministries and ministers, for that matter, that we can look up to and that we can... Uh, help the, allow them rather to help us set the trajectory of our own lives but we also have to realize that they are just common people and They 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 cut if you bleed them they bruise if you hit them they are just common people and I don't want to sound crass here this evening and I'm certain that you didn't get dressed and make all the effort and drive all this way to have someone insult you and so I don't want you to think that is my intention but I I would tell you that just from my observation, I believe that we're among some pretty ordinary people here tonight. Pretty common people. Now, I may have bruised an ego or two there, but it was still the truth. We're just pretty common people. We, we, we had a, a pretty ordinary day. Just a few days ago, I was speaking with a fellow minister about an elder friend that we have in common. And... Uh, This man, I've said this many times before, and I'm I'm not just saying this for the sake of emotion or feeling, but to sit in the presence of this elder and to hear him talk about the work of God and the kingdom of God, uh, and I'm not embellishing this at all. I've many times told my wife that when I finished talking with him, there was just a part of me that felt like I just got through talking to Jesus. And I really mean that. There was something so pure in his eyes and so pure in his response and his nature was so, so gentle. And, and yet, if we were to measure in his lifetime, if we were to measure his accomplishments with our tape measure, with our, our rule of what we deem to be success or failure, we would probably not place him in the category of other, other people that we may know or esteem. However, God used him mightily throughout his lifetime, but what's even more incredible than that to me is the fact that really what where God has really used the legacy of his ministry has been in his death in the sense that the foundational stones that he set so firm and so secure are now the foundational stones upon which a tremendous church is being built. And so we think about these men and women who have given themselves for the kingdom of God, who have given so much of themselves, and yet they didn't really consider it a sacrifice at all. It was just a a way of life. God had called them to a certain field to labor in, and they found themselves there. And in that, they found comfort. And when you find comfort in what you're doing, you operate much, much differently. God used him mightily. he laid some very important stones in place and and I suggest to you that we have not even begun to see the end of what God is going to lay on that foundation. This is a church destined to do great things. For all intent and purposes, I would say of this man, he was a very ordinary man. In our text this evening is one such man, a man by the name of Andrew. The description that most often is given to Andrew by writers is that he was very common, just a very common person. Andrew never wrote a book like the men that he worked right along beside, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We never read of him preaching a sermon like his very own brother did, Simon Peter. With all of the above being true, we certainly know that he was never in the circle of, of Peter, James, and John, yet he found contentment in where God had placed him and what God had called him to do. As a matter of fact, he was only mentioned, or is only mentioned eight times in the entire Bible. He was just an ordinary man, but he really did some extraordinary things. In the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 40, The Bible says one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, or we may say it this way, the first thing he did was find his own brother Simon. And he said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. The search is over. We have found the Messiah. He had made a life-changing discovery. Now I I realize sometimes it's very hard for us who have already read the end of the book to roll back the tape enough to get back into the time or back into the moment should I say but if you could just for the sake of this thought tonight just forget what you already know and come back to this moment in time. This was an extraordinary season. This was a moment that was destined to impact Not only the New Testament church of that era, but it is still impacting us today. He said, I found something, and I must share this with someone. And so he comes upon his brother, a life-changing discovery. Notice more carefully this glorious discovery. I mean, if we look at that and think about this, to be sure, things like this just do not happen. I know there's a few coincidental things in life, but when we're talking about spiritual accomplishments, I believe firmly the scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I believe that we're walking in ordered steps. And so when we think about Andrew receiving this revelation, I don't think that this revelation was just something that was laying on the surface. I believe that the revelation was born from something much deeper in his heart and in his life. You've heard it said if you see a turtle on a fence post, you may not have all the details, but one thing you can really draw a conclusion on is he didn't get there by himself. This is not an accident. And so defined in scripture as we read, and sometimes we so hastily read the word that we don't really stop to think about how it is unfolding just one moment at a time. What was it? What, what was it in the heart of Andrew that made him sensitive enough to understand the value of what's going on at this very moment in time. If we look back at our text, in one chapter one, verse 35, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, and listen, Where dwellest thou? Jesus had made himself known. He had revealed himself. John had introduced him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then the scripture says that Andrew and another followed him, and Jesus turned and saw them, and he just looked at them, and with just three words, what seek ye. The word seek speaks of a quest, or a quest for something that's hidden, or a quest for something that's lost. Now, I I don't want to veer off of this subject for too long here, but I I do want to remind us that history, and not just biblical history, but history in our lifetime, is replete with men and women who have received the revelation of of the mighty God in Christ. They weren't raised under that umbrella, so to speak, but God revealed himself to them. I don't think they were just meandering along and something fell out of the sky. I believe that something inside of their heart, they recognize there's something missing or there has to be more. And so he was seeing seek into that in the sense that that they realized something was lost. I'm on a quest. I'm, I'm, I'm being driven by something. There's a hunger deep inside. What I take away from this question was the fact that there must have been something missing in the heart of Andrew. There must have been some measure of spiritual emptiness there. Perhaps it was that hunger that had not been satisfied heretofore. And so there's a driving desire in his life. Many years ago I read an article that listed four basic things that psychiatrists say that people are searching for and I realize at the onset here this could seem like we're speaking in fairly general terms and maybe we are but I believe that we can agree somewhat with this that in general people are trying to discover how to be useful. how can I be useful in this world? everybody wants to matter everybody wants to matter you. You find someone, uh, the highest peak of life, or you find someone living under a bridge. And the thing they have in common is everybody wants to feel like they matter to someone. Another finding there is that people are trying to discover how to get rid of guilt, because by and large, in life, we have a lot of things to deal with. And so how do we reckon with guilt? I've had to deal with guilt, missed opportunities, remorse and many many other things and so I could relate to that. People are trying to discover how to love. We are living in a society, I remember again many years ago reading a article about that was written to parents about the value of touching your children and loving your children and I was just I mean that was just seemed so foreign to me because I was raised in a home uh, where there was love, and so i'm not sound, trying to sound indifferent to that, but I thought how sad in America that someone felt the need to to tell a parent you need to not just give birth to a child but you ought to touch them every now and then you ought to hug them and love them. But I, I'm gonna tell you something that I have found to be true. And I have met so many, many, many men, grown men, who have never in their life heard their father say, I love you. And that is again something that must be addressed. And I if I I want the attention of every man here, if you haven't ever told your children you love them, you need to fix that before midnight. Amen, we need to make sure because people are trying to discover how to love and how to be loved and people often that have not been loved now do not know how to love. They don't know how to give that away. The fourth thing is that people are searching for a feeling of security. They want some something that can bring security to their lives, and you find that in the youngest child many times it 's found in a teddy bear or in a blanket or or whatever it may have, whatever it may be, just a feeling of security. My wife has a a, a niece I guess it would be um, that when she was a little when she was a little baby <clears throat> for what for whatever reason we i will not be i just can share this with you and not explain it, but for whatever reason she found security when she was drinking a bottle she would just get a piece of cotton and she would pull just a little piece of cotton and put the cotton between her the the her top lip and the bottle and uh and so if you didn't provide her the cotton she went for it and she would pull it and pluck it out of stuffed animals or anything just enough but that was enough to provide security And so I know that sounds strange and probably is in some degree, but we're searching even as children for just some feeling of security. And that feeling never leaves us. We want to feel secure even into our adulthood. And so the bottom line to these four things is that many, many times people feel like there's something missing in my life. And so the great search of life is found uh to the in the answer to this vacuum. I I've shared this story many times, even from this pulpit of my wife and I having dinner in a restaurant and, and we saw a bunch of people running and rushing and to abbreviate the story and and crying for help, and, and uh, uh, my uh, the gentleman that we were with, there were two couples of us eating. We ran outside to see what we could do, and under a train trestle was the just the young body of a teenage boy who had hung himself. And and I, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm being very very honest when I tell you that I stood there, and, and as the wind just kind of just gently blew his body, I, my mind was just going, what in the world led to this moment? Chances are this was not a snap decision, but there was an accumulation of a lot of things that caused this young man uh, to take drastic measures into his own hands and we later found out that this young man uh, was was the son of very successful and very wealthy parents and that he himself they had $200,000 in a trust fund in his bank account just for him. It It was the start of a new life. They had moved him to this city to start life all over again but somehow some of these factors were missing in his life and he thought that to be the answer something missing I've got this I've got that I've got a lot of things but but something is still missing and so when we we hear such pitiful things our heart wonders why and where did this emptiness come from and and what how did this invade this young man's heart Yet yeah, there are thousands that feel just that empty and just that unfulfilled whether or not they take that drastic measure in like fashion there must have been something missing in the life of Andrew spiritually i'm searching i'm on i'm on a campaign i'm looking for something the most encouraging thing that i see in this passage is the fact that that Andrew recognized the answer when he found it because sometimes we can be so intent in the search that we miss the answer when we come upon it. And so it wasn't as though Andrew was in some crazed frenzy trying to find something. He was sensitive enough to the Spirit of God that when he found the answer, he recognized we have found the Messiah. Andrew responded to the question that Jesus posed in verse 38 by saying, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? It was like Andrew was saying, Jesus, I just need to, I just need to Talk with you. Where are you? How do I discover this? And Jesus said this. And I think it's very interesting and very telling. Jesus just said, come and see. If you want the answer, come and see. It's literally, come and you shall see. I believe that Andrew was saying, I'm missing something. But Jesus was saying, if you'll follow me, I'll show you what it is. If you'll follow me, you'll find that fulfillment. And that you'll find that emptiness filled up notice in john 1 and 41 he says he first findeth his own brother simon and uh and saith unto him we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the christ the word found here literally means to make a marvelous discovery this was not just stumbling on a a penny this was a marvelous discovery john 1 and forty one one of the two which heard john speak and followed him was andrew simon peter's brother John 6 and 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I'm sure you've heard these illustrations many times. This has been pointed out. But do you ever recognize how often Simon, or how often Andrew was referred to, not just by Andrew, but it was always attached to Simon Peter's brother. He always fell in the shadow of identity of his own brother, never kind of coming into his own so to speak and with very few exceptions he is just referred to as that he is seemingly sentenced to a to live in the shadow of his brother simon yet it appears that that for some reason some for some unknown reason some unwritten reason that he never kind of edged out from under the shadow of what simon was simon peter was accomplishing however the good news seems to be that that was never an issue It doesn't appear that that became a a point of bitterness in his spirit. In fact, I think it reveals a powerful lesson to those that would be willing to learn. And this is where I am coming to the point of uh, my message tonight. And that is that Andrew understood his abilities. Andrew was well aware that he could not preach like his brother Simon Peter. He knew that he was not a leader like Simon Peter. He knew that he could not get up in front of large crowds like his brother and hold them spellbound as he spoke. He knew that he was not a rider, as I mentioned a moment ago like some other men that he was certainly privileged to be in their company. And so before us this evening is a man that had come to understand what his gifts and what his abilities were. He knew what he could do and equally as important he knew what he could not do. I want us to consider something very important here this afternoon, the book of Ephesians chapter four, and it will be on the screen. But follow me with, with this if you do not have a Bible, Ephesians four, one through seven. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And here's the instructions: with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And then, verse 7 that also telling word, but. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so this conjunction here means that everything up to now that we've been discussing is contingent upon what you're about to read now. This is all hinging on this. And so it's very, very important to make this turn. The passage teaches us about unity. Paul is talking about one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's a lot of unity or a lot of sameness. There is this distinct sameness or oneness, if you please, about us. There's a tremendous commonality. Here we are. We are in this body together. And then he says, but there is something different about every one of us. There is all of us in this one body One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then he says, but there is something that is unique about each and every one of us that are a part of the family of God. That tremendous difference is the fact that the measure of of the grace of God for the gift in all of our lives. And so when God gives us a gift, he also gives us grace enough for that gift. Amen, he doesn't just call us to something and then not give us grace sufficient enough to accomplish it. And so he gives us exactly what we need to accomplish the task at hand. Now when a person gets in trouble, many times they're in trouble spiritually when they try to pick up the gift that God has not given them sufficient grace to have. Therefore we have to stay within the area that God has given us the power to sustain. Are you with me now? <laughs> you often hear me talk about the men and women that serve as our missionaries. I, I do have a passion for missions, and I'm not ashamed of that. I've often referred to them as real heroes of faith among us today, not only foreign missionaries but home missionaries as well, and I believe that. But I also believe there's something that we must understand about their calling, and I, I don't want to say this to try to devalue what I, I just said, we need to understand that God didn't just call them to a certain work or a certain field, but God also gave them grace according to the measure of the gift. And so there's something very, very important, that's very important to our walk with God, for all of us, because when you reach down and pick up something that God has not given you the grace to achieve, we are headed for trouble. Because we have picked up something that we don't have the ability to, to see through, not in our own strength. And so to be a missionary, a foreign missionary, that demands one measure of grace, one measure of grace. I've often said, and certainly like to say it not in their presence, in their absence, but when we have missionaries, we should always always feel a burden for what they're doing, but we should never feel sorry for what they're doing. They don't want you to feel sorry for them. They don't want you to feel uh pain in your heart about what they're doing. They're they're, they're many times they're happier than you are. Yeah. Amen. Ha- happier than I am because uh, they're 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 doing something. So to be a missionary, a foreign missionary, or to be a home missionary, we had uh, one of our Metro missionaries uh that not not too long ago, somewhere in the course of this year. That are going to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You guys remember them? They're, they're just so excited about going into into the inner city of Philadelphia. <sighs> I just don't have grace for that gift. I wouldn't sleep one night through. Amen. So there's a measure of grace that is given for someone to be a missionary. To be a pastor demands another measure of grace. To be an evangelist, another measure of grace. However, this was all pinned within the context of, of Paul speaking about unity. We're all together in this, but we've all been given grace for the gift. One body, one Lord, one faith. But we need to be sure what we're reaching out to embrace because to, we need to make sure that we're operating within the gift that God has laid upon our heart. God has called us to do. And so uh, you may have noticed as you come in the sanctuary this evening that um, we having some handrails installed here on each side of the platform, one of them almost complete. And now here's the simple truth. I'm not bragging, but here's the simple truth. I could have done that by myself. And here's why I say that. Because I own personally, free and clear, A skill saw, a tape measure, and a box full of pencils. (laughs) But when I got finished, you would not be oohing and ahhing. (laughs) Because I exceeded my area of giftedness. Now, here's the catch. No one at Lowe's, and several people work there, no one at Lowe's stopped me from buying a saw, a tape measure, or the pencils. No one asked to see my credentials. They let me walk right out of there. <laughs> and I found out if you walk confident enough, some of those contractors will kind of just nod at you, give you that contractor. I kind of felt a little manly walking out of there. <laughs> But here's here's where I'm going. At some point, you got to get honest with yourself. I say, now, for the project at hand, I better leave my tools at home because I don't have grace for the gift. I don't have what it's going to take. I know what I would love to be able to do. I don't have the ability to do that. And so... If we're, if, if, is that all right? <laughs> you don't have the ability to do that, so we have to be honest. Somewhere, somewhere along the way, we got to get honest with ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not the man for that job. Not at all. I, I said, and I don't, I don't want to meander, but I, I sat a few Friday nights ago in our tabernacle, and I have always been encouraged by the faith that I find and have, and have imparted to me at the ministry of Brother Jack Cunningham. He has been mightily used of God. And I think about that, and I'm so thankful that God can use him in these various areas. But, you know, if you need certain things done, they're, they're just, I don't want to say specialists, but there are people that have grace for the gift that God has placed upon their life. And that's who we need. That's who we need to work. And so Paul is telling us that God has given to every one of us different gifts and different abilities. So not everyone can preach. And you know what? Not everybody's supposed to preach. And so if we were all preachers here sitting tonight, what a mess that would be. I deal with preachers very often. I can tell you it would not be fun. And so not everybody can sing, but you know what? Not everybody's supposed to sing. And when I said not everybody can sing, you probably thought of a few people, didn't you? Not everybody can get up in front of a class and teach, but not everybody should do that because we all have a place within the body and we, we may cower in some areas and think that's not for me and then just really shine in other areas because God has given us grace for that gift and so you'll you never find anyone happier than the person who accepts what they can do and doesn't worry about what they can't do. I, I, can, I can take care of that I can't do this, but I'm not going to fret about that because somebody can pick up where I can leave off. And so Andrew was not only understood his abilities, but he knew how to use his abilities. He didn't have some of the gifts that his brother had, but he had what God had given him. And he used his abilities to the best of of his ability for the power and the preservation of the kingdom of God. God's not going to judge us based on what we could not do But we will be judged about what was it that we could have done that we refused to do. Amen. He's not going to ask of us more than we can give. And so some people never get involved because they can't sing like this person or teach like that person or they can't do this or can't do that. But God is not interested in what you can't do. But what we can do, we need to give everything that we have 100%. And so there's a lot of things that Andrew couldn't do but there was one thing that he could do and so he dedicated his life to that single solitary thing. Andrew at some point realized, I can't preach before thousands like Peter at Pentecost, but I tell you what I think I can do. I believe I can reach them one-on-one, face-to-face. I can talk to them about this Messiah that I have found. Andrew couldn't write like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but that didn't stop him from telling other people about what he had discovered in the Spirit. Mark 1, 16 and 17, the Bible says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, Brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers of men. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. They were fishermen, but he said, I will make you fishers of men. That day, Andrew discovered what he could do. I can follow Jesus, and I can talk to others about him. And you know what? I think we all ought to be able to witness to people. Obviously, that should go without saying. But I do know that there are some people that are far more gifted at that than others in just quick fashion, they can sit down in a very non-threatening way and just talk to people about the goodness of God and show them the plan of salvation and so he could, he could be a fisher of men. I can do that. I can relate to that and so the rest of his life was dedicated to winning people to Christ. One of the interesting features of Andrew's life is the fact that he's always talking to somebody about the Lord. In John 1, 41 and 42 we see him sharing this revelation with his family. The first thing that he did the Bible says was reach out to his brother Simon Peter? And aren't we glad he did? Aren't we glad he didn't keep this to himself? Go home, and when they're sitting around the dinner table, what did you do today? Nothing, 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 nothing. Aren't you glad he went running in the door and said, You need to come, you need to meet this man? Who knew that that quick thinking and sometimes too quick talk a man or a man of action sometimes too quick Simon Peter would be the very one that would have the keys of the kingdom of heaven I'm glad that he kept did not keep it to himself You may not be able to preach to 3000 or preach and see 3000 saved as Peter did but I tell you what he 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 did what he could it was Andrew that was so instrumental in and played such an instrumental role in one of the greatest miracles in the ministry of Jesus Christ because it was Andrew in and John 6, 8, 7, 8, 9 that brought the young man with the five loaves and the fish to Jesus. Amen. He said, here, here's a little, we can do this, we can start with this, a man of great faith. He didn't stop with his family. Andrew didn't stop with this young man. He wasn't afraid to reach out to people around him that were perhaps more educated, the elite. He wanted to reach out and touch everybody he could. And so that's why when you read in John 12 through 22, you see once again Andrew just reaching out and touching the lives of people. But this time, it was the Greeks. The Greeks were the philosophers and the scholars of that day. But he was not intimidated. He was just a fisherman. (laughs) Please don't forget that. But he was a fisherman with an experience. He was a fisherman that had discovered the Messiahs. And so he was not intimidated by the degrees hanging on the wall. He was not intimidated by the vocabulary and the education of these men, the depth and the breadth of their understanding but he sat down with them because they were seeking Jesus and it was Andrew that was involved in bringing them to him. And so in closing as our musicians come this is what I have to say. There is a world out there that is saying to the church sir sir we would see Jesus. You think, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. But there are some people that don't even know what you know. They know nothing. We have been on a journey for the last several years and and it has been an eye-opening journey for many of us but I will certainly put my name at the top of the list. In the last several years, I've had the privilege, the opportunity, to have my eyes opened to such a godless society when you meet people who don't know who Jesus is. Because, see, we're raised in this protected environment Amen. I grew up hearing about David, Abraham, Moses, and Noah connecting these dots. And then you meet men 30 years old, 40 years old who don't have a clue when you're talking about David. So, you may not have a bright light but to a man in utter darkness it will be more light than they have and so we have to be available and here's what I really believe, there are Andrews all over this building and all throughout this congregation perhaps you are not a preacher or a teacher or a singer but you can be an influencer And so I want to leave this building tonight empowered with the thought of what I can do for the kingdom. We've already spent enough time considering the things that we can't do. But if we would just focus on what we can do, what can I do to be a positive influence? And you know, there's a lot of natural things, of course, in the work of God that has to be done. Um... There's a lot of work, literal work, that has to be done. But the most important thing that we'll ever do, that we will ever do, is to share our experience with someone else. And we're here today. Let's just be very honest. We're here today because somebody just wouldn't be quiet about it. (laughs) And they just said, we found the Messiahs. You've got to come see this. You've got to hear this. You've got to feel this. You've got to experience this. And you know the emphasis of Sunday. The choir was singing. and You heard the testimony of what we're trying to accomplish in a holiday program this year. And that is what it's all about. Is there people that must experience this. Feel this. Taste this. Because, and I'm not being unkind, but I have to be honest when I tell you that there's a lot of people that feel the presence of God but they don't have the liberty to respond. And so we need an atmosphere where people have the liberty to feel the Lord and then respond to what they feel. Amen. So God, help us to busy ourselves understanding that He has given to all of us grace for the gift. And so where God has called me, I want to just find that. That's what I want to do. And I'm not going to be intimidated by what others are doing. That's just where God put them in the kingdom. And that's what they're called to do. And that's what they'll do. And so I, I may not ever do that. But I'm just going to do this to the best of my ability. Amen. Why don't we stand today? Amen. Why don't we just gather around the front and let's close with family prayer and perhaps... Perhaps in the course of what we've been talking about here tonight, you've thought of something that you could do. Maybe you thought of someone that you could touch some life. Perhaps you could talk to about what God has done for you. So, well, you know, I'm just not a theologian and I don't know about being able to take all of this and just dissect it down. That's all right. That's all right. Depending on how dark the life, depending on how dark the sin they stand in, It won't take a whole lot of light to lead them to more light. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Would you do that? I'm thankful for grace.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic